Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. We are all on a journey, right? Some people are just trying to get get to tomorrow. And I want to encourage you, if the Lord is the captain of your ship, you're going to make it till tomorrow. Whether you believe that or not. And even if He's not the captain of your ship, He probably still going to help you get till tomorrow, but that's not certain. And you can't be certain to let the Lord be the King of your life today. I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 1, verse 40 through 42. We're going to see what God has for us this morning. Today and the next Sunday will be our last two Sundays to focus on the one. The one. Who's your one? Emphasis we've had all through the month of April of helping pray for one person and then also praying for an opportunity for us individually to help lead that one to Christ. John chapter 1, verse 40 through 42. To give you some context, we're about to talk about a man by the name of Andrew. Everybody say, Andrew. All right, we're all awake. Andrew, in the Bible, was always bringing somebody to Christ. Last week we talked about who? One of the disciples. Anybody remember? Easter Sunday? That was too long ago? Thomas, okay. Believing Thomas, right? Today we're going to look at the life of the Apostle Andrew. Andrew's name meant manly. I love that. Manly. Let a man be a man. Let a woman be a woman. His very name spoke of his biblical masculinity. There's a lot written about the twelve disciples. Did you know that? Scholars tell us all these things. There's a lot of the early church fathers wrote about the disciples. But if you get to the section on Andrew, it's very small. You see, Andrew never spoke to great big crowds in the Bible. Andrew was never the one in the spotlight. Andrew was the one who was from obscurity, but also he pretty much stayed in obscurity for the most part of his life, and he played in the background, and he was okay with that. Andrew was the first home missionary. He was the first one, you'll see in this passage, to help bring somebody to Jesus. He also was the first foreign missionary. In John chapter 12, we see Andrew brings the Greek people, brings some Greek folks to Jesus. So Andrew is a very special disciple that's easy for us to forget about. The question is today, who are you and I bringing to Jesus? You see, we get all riled up, fired up about America and the problems in America and the sin in America and the the broken society and the broken homes, the broken families. We get all bitter and, 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 and sometimes rightly so. Frustrated with our nation, don't we? But if you and I are not seeking to help bring anybody to Jesus, then we have no right to complain. You see, the the first priority of a believer is to love God. And when you love God and you fall in love with Him, you realize that He's the greatest thing you could ever have. And if you care about other people, then you want them also to taste that experience and taste that freedom. The problem is the statistics say that 96% of the people that will ever come and sit in the seats at our church, 96% will come because somebody invited them to come. 
the neighbor, the coworker, the friend, the family member, they're going to come because somebody reached out and invited them. Andrew brought people to Jesus. Let's look at God's Word. John chapter 1, starting in verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Now look what he does. He brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. There's three things I'd like to point out to you in this passage. If you're taking notes, number one, Roman numeral number one, Andrew, he saw the value of individual people. He saw the value of individual people. Do you do that? When you go to the restaurant, do you just, when you have a server at your table, do you realize that that is a human being made in God's image? Do you realize that God died on the cross for that person or are you more concerned about something else? Now, we should be concerned about food, amen? We're Baptists, we, we do well at that. But we cannot forget about people. God cares about people, whether we care or not. And Andrew brought, does it say he brought a whole lot to Jesus? No. How many did he bring? He brought one. You see it? You see, Andrew would never be the one to help bring thousands, preach to thousands of people, and thousands of people get saved. But you know who did? Peter. Peter was the one in the Pentecostal sermons, the first few sermons in the, in the book of Acts, it was Peter that was the one. Is that because Peter was just a great orator? Probably not. God, for some reason, allowed Peter to be the mouthpiece of the Lord. But Andrew brought one, and then that one brought thousands. What if you knew that you're one during the month, this month of April and going into May. What if you knew for a fact that the one that you've been praying for would become the great, some great hero of the faith? Think about that. What if the one that you have been praying for will be the next Billy Graham or the next mother of the next Billy Graham? or the next father, or the next grandfather, or the next grandmother of the next Billy Graham would be the one here in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi that you've been praying for. Nobody else been praying for, but you have been... What if you knew for a fact that that would be the case? Would it cause you to be more urgent? Would it cause you to, to pray more? Would it cause you to care more about individuals? You see, there's a man by the name of Edward Kimball. You probably never heard of him, right? Edward Kimball. He was a timid, not very well-spoken Sunday school teacher of students. If you've ever taught youth Sunday school, you know it's a tough battle. It's a fun battle. 
It's a great privilege. It's a great honor to raise up these young champions. Edward Kimball led D.L. Moody to Christ. And I want to share with you quickly about this story of how he did it. He had visited a Sunday school and, and he heard that and Moody was bold and brash and rude and illiterate and, and ignorant and frustrating and he didn't pay attention. He had been visiting Edward Kimball's class. And so God had put Moody on his heart to go share the gospel with him. And so Kimball was frightened and he was concerned that he had the courage to confront this young Moody and talk to him about Jesus. You see, that's the thing. Many people here, you've already checked out of this sermon because you're so concerned that you don't have what it takes to bring somebody to Jesus. And the whole purpose of this passage and of this specific, these few verses to see, it's not about what we have. It's not about our words or our ability. Andrew was an untrained, ordinary guy who did not make the cut. He got reduced to go back home and work the family trade. So here's Kimball. He was trembling. He was shaking. And he, he heard about that Moody worked at this shoe store. And so he goes down the street and he decides to go talk to Moody about Christ and about his soul. So he heads down the road and he was so nervous he passed the shoe store. He just passed it right up. And he was tempted in that moment. Well, you know, I, I could just keep on going and I don't have to deal with this. Or I can go back and just get it over with. And so he decided he was going to go and just get it over with. And so he goes back and he finds Moody. And he's struggling. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? And then he cornered Moody in the back, stacking up shoes, shoe boxes. And he stumbled over his words. And later he wrote, Edward Kimball wrote, that I don't even remember what I said. I was so nervous. I don't even know what I said to this young man named Moody. He said, All I can remember that I said something about Christ. And his love. And that's all he can remember. And he admitted it was a very weak appeal. Gospel presentation. Well, the rest is history. Right then and there in that shoe store, D.L. Moody gave his heart to Jesus. In fact, he asked Edward Kimball, he said, can I receive Jesus right now? And he led him to the Lord. Then tens of thousands testified that because of the ministry of Dwight L. Moody, they came to faith in Christ. Dwight L. Moody led C.T. Studd, great missionary hero of the faith from Europe, part of the Cambridge Seven that started one of the greatest missionary awakenings in the history of the world. C.T. Studd helped bring a young man to Christ, Wilbur Chapman, who himself became a well-known evangelist. Moody founded the Moody Bible Institute, which still exists today. This trained thousands of people for ministry. We have at least one person in our church who was trained at that school. Wilbur Chapman was converted at a Dwight L. Moody evangelistic meeting. So was C.T. Studd, so was Wilbur Chapman. Billy Sunday, famous professional baseball player, was converted at Billy Chapman, I mean a Wilbur Chapman meeting. Mordecai Ham was converted at a Billy Sunday meeting, and Billy Graham received Christ at a Mordecai Ham evangelistic tent crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina. Started with one, Edward Kimball, scared to death, didn't have what it took, 
stumbled his way through the gospel. You see, church, it's not about what we bring to the table. God just needs a heart that's available and willing to be His man, be His woman. Well, what, what if I embarrass myself? Or, or what if I don't say it right? If we wait till we, we say it just right, we'll never do it. God's not depending on you. Did you know that? God's not depending on me. It's that we are depending on Him. That's the point. Number two, I'd like to share with you this point, this truth. Andrew saw the value of insignificant gifts. The reading of the 5,000, you could turn there in your, in your Bible if you wanted to. John chapter 6 is one account of it. There are several accounts of the feeding of the 5,000. Scholars tell us there was at least 15,000, if not 20,000 people there on the side of the Sea of Galilee where Jesus fed all these people. Now, in the account, you'll see that the apostle Philip, the disciple Philip, uh, Jesus says, hey, I want us, you guys, uh, people are complaining about the food, okay? They were Baptists, and they, they were complaining about the food, and that was a preacher joke, okay? It means it went and it just crashed and died. But Philip, you know what he said? Jesus said, feed them, okay? That was a very clear command from the king of the universe. He said, you feed them. But you know what Philip said? He says, I think we should send these folks home. I think we need to send them away. Now, that's what I would have done. I would have said, look, you ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here. Because if you all stay here, it's not going to be a good situation. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and they start getting hungry, and the fights start breaking out, and this is not going to be good, and it's going to hurt the testimony of Jesus. So y'all going to have to go down to Claiborne, go to Frugal's, go find some food and meet us back here at 6 o'clock. But Andrew was the one disciple, and I'm summarizing for the sake of time. You see, Andrew heard Jesus say, y'all feed him. I don't know if he said y'all or not, but probably. He said, y'all feed him. And Andrew just thought, well, God told us to feed him. We're going to feed him. And so he brings this little boy. Andrew's the one that goes out and brings the little boy to Jesus. And the Bible says there were five small loaves and two fishes. Two, the Greek says, sardines basically, small fish. So you have five small loaves and two sardines. And Andrew brings this little boy, he says, Lord, and then he says this quote, he says, what is so little among so many? That's a good thought. I mean, right? I mean, how, how, are we gonna, how is this going to feed thousands and thousands of people? So Andrew was practical, but he also knew Jesus was up to something, and he understood that God could do anything. And I think he just wanted to see what's going to happen. Because he understood if those five small loaves and if those two little fish were in the hands of Jesus, then you better look out because something can happen. What is so little among so many? You see, that's why many people don't tithe. They say, oh, it's just a little bit. Friend, just a little bit in the hands of God is a whole lot. God can take your little bit, multiply it, times a million. God 
throughout history is used insignificant gifts to do significant things. Why? So He would get the glory. Not so the giver would get the glory, but so that the Lord would get ultimate glory. And Andrew understood this. But only when we acknowledge our weakness can we tap into the power of God. We have to come be bold enough to say, God, I don't have what it takes. I, my gift is insignificant to what you own and what you need. Not what He needs, but what He, he can use. And third and last, Roman numeral number three, Andrew saw the value of inconspicuous service. He didn't mind playing in the background. He didn't mind getting any credit. In fact, he thrived on it. He never preached to the multitudes. You see, there's a a lot of people today trying to get the gospel just right. There's people arguing about the gospel. People on the same side. People that are brothers and sisters in Christ. And they're, you know, sovereignty of God and the choice of man and and how's it all shake out? You know, if if we just sit here and keep knocking heads with the same people on the same side on the same team, that's exactly what the enemy wants. The rest of the history, church history says about Andrew is this. There's a frog in my throat. Here's what here's the rest of the story. You want to hear it? Scholars say and church historians say that Andrew took the gospel to Russia. Now, some of you didn't know there were Christians in Russia. Did you know that? Well, they are. He took the gospel to Russia, and some even say he took the gospel all the way to Scotland. All the way to Scotland. He led a Roman provincial leader's wife to faith in Christ. And her husband was the leader of this territory, and he was so upset about it. He said, you better renounce Jesus, this faith you have in Jesus, or else. Well, she didn't do it. She truly came into Christ, so she didn't renounce her faith. So, he said, you know what? If she's not going to renounce her faith, I will shut up this apostle named Andrew. I'm going to shut him up for good. So that's what happens. He ordered Andrew to be crucified on a cross, the shape of an X. You heard that story before? And he decided, I want to deter other people from telling others about Jesus. And so he decided to not do the traditional means of crucifixion, but to instead to lash him to death. Lash him to death on on this cross, X cross. All of the eyewitnesses said that it took two days for Andrew to die. And all the eyewitnesses there, both non-believers and believers, said that it was until his last breath that Andrew was pleading with others to come to Jesus. That's how I want to go out. What about you? The value of one. 
You don't have to be a Bible expert. You don't have to be, have a theological education to bring somebody to Jesus. But the problem today, just the flat truth, and I'm just going to say it, is we got all these other priorities besides this. And America's in trouble because of us. Because see, we have all these things on our to-do list that's important to us, but it's God's work should be number one. Number one. See, we bring people to a lot of different things, don't we? We've got families. We'll bring our children to 7,000 events. Seven, seven, why? For their good, and so they can be educated, and so they can be tapped, so they can have just a closet full of trophies. There's nothing wrong with trophies. But I'm afraid we're putting all of our eggs in the wrong baskets. Because we're gonna be we're gonna be dead soon. Let's just be frank. We're all gonna be gone. Just in a a vapor, a moment in time, and we're gonna be history. So what's the what's the purpose of your life? Is it to be to become so educated? Is that is education? Is that the ultimate goal? I have some degrees from some fine educational institutions. So I'm not anti-education. My wife sat on the, on the stage at Ole Miss's graduation next to the chancellor. I'm not anti-education. We should be equipped. We should learn all we can for the glory of God and for the equipping of the saints. But is that the goal? Education? What about sports? Is, is that the goal to become a professional athlete? Most professional athletes I see on TV, they seem miserable. Drama queens, they need to relax. Is that the goal? Is the goal to make a lot of money? Is that the goal? So you can leave your children with a whole lot of stuff and money? Is that what should be the goal? How's that going to work out for them? What about health care? Is that the goal to try to, to have the best health you, you can have and, and to live a long, long life? Friend, if you live a long life and never bring one person to Jesus, that life will be wasted. Or at least trying to. Just the, the attempt, well, God will honor that. Amen? You don't have to bring somebody to Jesus, but you need to at least be praying about it, thinking about it. Have the willingness and the desire. That's what Christians do. But for some reason, the last 40 years, in the, in the Baptist church especially, I don't know about all these other denominations, but it seems like the average Christian in our churches, could care less about lost people. And our priority is to go and make disciples of all nations and bring people to Jesus. We say we, we love the Lord. We're saying God is so good. And if we believe God is so good, don't you want your friends to know about this God? Don't you want other people to be saved? Don't you want them to go to heaven and drink Chick-fil-A milkshakes forever? Don't you want people to bring somebody with you? You see, I believe with all my heart that many people here today, you're not a disciple of Jesus. And and that's okay because God is full of mercy and grace and He's inviting you to come and be saved. To lay down your small plans and take up your cross. To come to Christ and be born again. And take His yoke upon you. And be set free. And have the power of God living inside of you. And have your name written in the, the book of life.
So today you can come. We're about to have a response time. You can come to faith in Christ today. There's many other people today, and, and you're, you know Christ. Man, it was when you were a child at VBS, or, or maybe you were a college student. Man, God has got a hold of your life. Or maybe it was when you're, you're in your 30s and you got into your career and you had an experience on a Sunday morning at a Baptist church. Or maybe it was at a, a revival meeting somebody invited you to. And you know God. You know where you were when you received Christ. But you've gotten so sidetracked by stuff and success and the things in this life, and it is stifling your relationship with God. And you've walked away from your faith. And today is a Sunday to come back home, to come back and say, Lord, would you forgive me for letting my health be the number one priority in my life? God, would you forgive me for letting my family pursuits be all about us and how to better ourselves? God, would you forgive me for thinking that church is all about me? God, would you forgive me for not tithing at least 10%, for not, for, for not being all in with the kingdom of God? God, would you forgive me for letting self be on the throne? Nobody's perfect except for Jesus, and we don't have to be. But because he, ha- he is, He invites us today. And He invites grace to wash over your life. Fill you up anew. To taste living water. So I beg you, friend, if you don't know Jesus, would you come to Him today? Would you come to Christ? It's, you say, well, God's sovereign. Absolutely. He is totally sovereign. He knows how many hairs fell out of your head yesterday. And if you're me, today too. He knows where the birds, what trees they're going to land in before they do. He knows the songs that they're going to sing before they sing it. He's absolutely sovereign. And in His sovereignty, He has restrained His power to initiate that the gospel will go forth not through a megaphone from the clouds or from handwriting on the wall, but through His people. Now why does He do that? I don't know. But that He's God. And that is how He chose to do it. For us to be carried around this gospel, just broken jars of clay, to take it and just try. And He promises in His Word, if if we give a little, if we just try, then he'll bless it. He'll take our little bit, he'll take our little insignificance, he'll take our little bitty life and do great big things for his glory, for his kingdom's sake. The intentionality of just one person can shake the very foundation of history if we're intentional. People don't accidentally hear the gospel most of the time. People don't accidentally get up and start coming to church, going to Sunday school. People don't accidentally put their yes on the table. They make a decision. God, I'm going to make a commitment to be all in. Stop riding the fence. You respond as God leads you today. Father.